Welcome to the third of my stories from the Career Couch podcast. I'm looking forward to introducing you to my three lovely guests, and they're going to help me explore how your stage in life impacts your career. I guess in some ways it's a strange topic because we can't control the aging process, but we can explore what it feels like to be in a certain decade and reflect on what that's going to mean for us. On this podcast, my guests sit at very different times in their lives. They've all got really different career stories and really great perspectives to share with you, I hope. They're going to describe experiences and themes that I want to resonate with you as you're listening. We all carry these narratives, assumptions and saboteurs, don't we, that sit alongside our strengths and what we're going to plan to do for the future. Let's explore this mystery that goes on in our heads and its relationship with the outside world of work. Can we learn something about this work from people in a different life stage to our own. Covid seemed like a great time to ask some of my clients to reflect on their working lives and write their career stories. These are real people. Life's messy and complicated and doesn't always meet expectations. Today you're going to meet three of the writers and I'll give you an insight in how they conceive the reality of work at this point in their lives. I have to say that none of my clients see their age as the most significant characteristic. But something seems to hit us, doesn't it, when we approach a new decade? Each new iteration of the way that we see ourselves emerges when there are incongruities between how we see the world and, I guess, our new experiences. We then want to make sense of ourselves in a different way. I'm often contacted by individuals on this threshold. Clients sense that this feels an appropriate time to look back, but also explore the future. I'm not sure why this is. There seems to be a real need to reconceive and re-examine our lives to date and connect it with our future self as we age. I'm also really interested in whether, as society changes and global events impact our lives, do we think this has more impact than our life stage? I'd like to introduce you to my first guest. Stephen Parker. Stephen's in his early 60s and has had a really rich corporate career living and working across the world. He's worked at senior leadership level in some of the most prestigious global companies. But he decided five years ago to shift his emphasis and work in non-exec and board advisor roles, extending his reach also into not-for-profits. And he's also trained as an executive coach. Not sure how you manage all of that, Stephen, but welcome. Thank you, Susie. I'd like to ask you, as you sit in your early 60s, what does the concept of career mean at this stage of your life? That is a great question. And interestingly, I hadn't, even though I do career coaching, I hadn't considered it until you asked me to write my career story. So um, I suppose I I had a very traditional corporate career. Um, I worked in financial services and payments, lived and worked all around the world. But I got to a very senior level um, at Visa. I headed up the whole Central and Eastern European business. And it was no longer fun. It was too much like hard work, too challenging, and I didn't feel very fulfilled. So it took me a few years, but um, I retrained as an executive coach, as you said. And then I stepped down five years ago, which I now realize happened to be my 59th year, although that's not what struck me at the time, um, to take on what I realize is now called a portfolio or plural career. And I do a whole variety of things, and they've happened rather opportunistically. I suppose you'd call it an eclectic portfolio. But I have thought about this idea, as you say, of life stage. And 
given that we could easily have 100-year lives, um, there's this idea of the four quadrants, you know, 1 to 25, 25 to 50. Here I am in my third quadrant, um, and I do wonder what that means. And when I look around and try and read things or find research on this, there isn't very much. There is very, very little about how one leads this third part of your career or your life. And the, the best I can find is Jung, the famous psychotherapist, who talked about autumn years and how in our autumn years. We've been building our ego through our youth, we've been building family, we've been building wealth. Um, and how we, when we get to our autumn years, um, we can let go of some of that. Um, we can try and integrate it and use it in different ways. So if there's any sort of northern star to what I am trying to do in this part of my life is how can I integrate different parts of me? How can I give back? Um, how can I use my different levels of expertise and talent in a new sort of portfolio mixture of different projects and different um, directorships in a way that is fulfilling and challenging, but also, I'd say, giving back to the world, probably. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Something else that I read was about generativity. It's a really hard word to say, but it's it, it's about, yeah, that shift towards sort of loosening of the ego. I think I might put it like that and actually to think um, to think sort of outwards. And, and I wonder whether that sort of chimes with something that actually goes on in our brains and our bodies as well as we age. And, and, and whether that all of those things come together to, to offer you uh, a different perspective um, on, on, on what career might mean. I guess some of the experiences that you had when you were younger and uh, throughout your career have enabled you now to be able to build on that and to expand on that and use it in a different way. So although there is that shift towards giving back, you're also building on some of the experiences that you've already had. Is that right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, my corporate traditional career, I was very careful. I didn't take risks. I very much built my career from one company to another, from one role, you know, strategy through to head of marketing, through to general management. Um, and I really tried to curate my career. Um, since um, I've stepped down and have portfolio plural, I've let go of that. And I, I think I've been able to let go of it. Uh, one, because I no longer have the need to absolutely earn money. So that gives me security. Um, it also means I feel more able to take risks and try out things I haven't tried out before. Um, and in a sense, I've done the opposite of what I did in my traditional career, which is see what comes along. And initially, I was going to be a coach and counsellor. Um, and surprise, surprise, a couple of things came along from my previous financial services life about helping in a cryptocurrency startup, about being on a, a Citibank board. Um, and so I took those because indeed they, they built on 35 years of corporate experience and living around the world um, at the same time as I was entering this new new world of being of being a coach um, so I think that if you call it I don't know what you call it generativity but um, at my stage of life because I I don't have to be afraid about taking risks or not earning money it gives me permission that's also very strange though because I find I'm not sure what my identity is anymore my identity before was very clear. I was in a frame. You know, I worked for Visa. I was general manager. I worked for Experian. I was head of consulting. Now I'm sort of a, a mixture of things. I'm this today. I'm in an arts board. Tomorrow I might be in the startup. The following day I'm doing some coaching with, with, a, with a leader. 
and I've got very confused about what my identity is and it feels like I'm back in my 20s mm. where I was seeking what my identity is and now again I'm trying to work out well what is my identity what am I doing here for challenge or money what am I doing for passion what am I doing for values um, and five years in I don't yet have any clear answers which is very strange I wonder whether there is such a thing as a clear answer, because to me, it sounds as though you've got this really rich sense of multiple identities, if you like. And, and it also sounds really playful and actually quite experimental. Um, and, you know, you've been sort of rather rigidly stuck in your, your sort of suit and briefcase mode for, for decades. And then suddenly here you are um, back in a romper suit, uh, playing around with, with, with what, uh, you know, what success and fulfilment looks like. I'm also interested, Stephen, in you talk a lot about giving back to others, but I'm also interested in whether some of the those needs that you had in your early career for intellectual stimulation and growth and and um, fulfilling your own sort of internal drivers, do those still hold dear to you too? Absolutely. Because what I found when I started executive coaching was, um, one, it's a bit lonely working as a freelancer. And two, it wasn't using all of my you know, strategy skills. I've been head of strategy and global strategy in Standard Chartered, for example, head of strategy in Holiday Inns, Asia Pacific. Um, and I had done a lot of training around governance. It, it wasn't using that broad set. So that's why it, when, I, when people came tapping on the door to say, would you like to work in a cryptocurrency startup, for example, I said yes, because it, it used wider bandwidth. So I suppose I have found um, that I want to use as much of that bandwidth as possible. And so which is in different ways. So I do, for example, pro bono mentoring um, with ethnic minority leaders and women leaders. Um, and that's, that is giving back because I can help them see where they might be in their careers, how they can make progress. Um, but on the other side, I do feel this need to continue to exercise my brain and use all the executive skills I built up over 35 years. Mm. So I find I find a bit of schizophrenia in that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Stephen. And I'm going to come back to you later on and ask you to really give some of the listeners some tips for building this sort of rather exciting uh, multiple identity career that you've um, that, that you've managed to build up. Thank you. My second guest, Sarah Bell, is in what I rather humorously read is called The Rush Hour of Life. Um, although I have to say in my early 60s with six kids, a grandchild on the way and a very ill father, um, I might argue that uh, now seems a bit more like The Rush Hour of Life. Oh, and by the way, I've got a full time job. Sarah's in her 30s. She's a mother of two small boys and she's recently established her own communications consultancy. Sarah's worked as a PR and comms guru since she left university and recently uh, was working at a large think tank innovation foundation where she was the director of media and campaigns. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Susie. I'm going to ask you the same question as I asked Stephen, actually, first. What does a career mean to you at your stage of your life? Yeah, and, and like Stephen, it's a really good question. And when you talked about the rush hour of life, you know, that's really about that concept of reconciling your career, your family and yourself. And I think even without that term, it's suddenly something that 
I'm starting to recognise in myself. So, you know, when we talk about career and what we do, it's culturally just become this really defining term, hasn't it? It's about who we are, it's about our identity, and it's increasingly about our values as well. And I feel ever more aware of that, but also slightly conflicted because life is more than that. And I certainly recognise that in um, my family situation too. You know, and what you do is still one of the very first questions we ask a new acquaintance. And, you know, and the children are always asked as well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And on any given day for my kids, you know, this ranges from being a fireman to being an astronaut. And, you know, but they talk much less about the other elements of their future lives or their future selves and their personalities. You know, things like I want to be kind or I want to be bold or I want to be adventurous. So this kind of concept of what we do is still very much interlinked with who we are. Um, and I think for me, the concept of career just has definitely started to change with starting a family. The, the, the correlation for me is absolutely clear. And the what I do um, is so much more than what I do professionally nowadays. So my caring roles as a parent, um, as a daughter, um, you know, my voluntary roles that I have, whether those are non-exec roles or with the PTA at school, um, it's what I do in the community, it's running a home, it's having valuable relationships with friends and family. So my life feels much fuller than it did probably at this point in my in my 20s. So that doesn't mean that career has taken a backseat or that my professional drive or passion, energy, ambition, all of those things doesn't mean that they have dwindled. But it does mean that I'm more aware of the very many things in my life and be, that are beyond work. And I think, you know, on paper, at least, I've had a very linear career, hitting different milestones and promotions and very much in the same line of work, so no big twists and turns. But the reality, having lived it, um, has obviously been more exciting, but also more turbulent. You know, decisions about the types of work and the sectors I want to work in and the cultures that I want to work in that feel like a good fit for me have changed over time. And, you know, I'm a, and there's an awareness of moments of progression, but also, and I think this is an important one, at times slowing down the pace and becoming a passenger and the idea of being a passenger in your career, to me, it doesn't sound particularly appealing. It sounds kind of dull, like someone else is the driver. But for instance, I took the decision um, with my first child to stay in my, my role at work. And then I made the decision to return to that role to do another stint before going on a second maternity leave. And there were definitely tensions and frustrations for me personally and professionally as I felt that I was becoming more of a passenger. Um, but actually, when I've, I've really started to reconcile that with myself and be okay with it, um, I actually, something that's kept, that came to, just came to mind is when I had my first PR agency job outside um, of university, they had a ridiculous slogan on their little coasters that they had on each desk which said coasters are for wine and not for, insert name of the organisation, which is incredibly naff, but I've never wanted to be a coaster and that's always stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I I love that idea about being a conscious passenger, though, Sarah, because in a way, what you're actually saying here is that you have done some pretty deep reflection about what's important to you in life. And actually, now there's a there's a great balance between I know that it probably doesn't feel balanced on a, on a day to day basis. But actually, sort of the values that you talk about and the things that are important to you, you know, have become really much broader in your life. And so you're very much more conscious about that. Um, yeah. And I, and I guess that I I think many of us have heard that that um, wonderful sort of Steve Jobs uh, graduation talk at Cornell when he talks about you can't really join the dots in your life until you've lived for a certain length of time. And then you begin to make sense of that experience. And I wonder really what's what's changed for you as you've as, as you've sort of matured and, and grown in your career? Whether it's maturity or whether it's experience or experiences, perhaps it's a combination of the two. I definitely feel that I link back to different moments in time and, as you say, start to join those dots or make sense of what experiences I've had and what I've been a part of. Um, and there's probably a, a sense as well of being around the block a bit. <laughs> And, you know, whilst I might make some of the same decisions now that I did 10 years ago or give the same advice I did 10 years ago, I feel that they probably come from a place of more of a solid foundation um, with that experience. And I and it also with that, it, can't, it becomes a sort of a new sense of ambition. So I've got more confidence and I've definitely got more resilience from um, the various different experiences I've been through professionally, as we all have by this point, I think. Um, but I've also got more focus. So I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. And I know the sort of the, the shape and size of the window I have to do it in. And by that, I think I probably mean the time allocation that I have. Do you feel in control of your career? And that is such a brilliant question. And I think it's one that we should ask ourselves annually. So right now, um, I have more control than I've had in a long time. I've recently started my own communications consultancy, um, which means that I'm responsible for getting in the work. So whilst I have got more control, at the same time, I haven't got uh, commitments at the moment secured much beyond August. So, you know, there is a sense of feeling a little perilous. Um, but a client asked me yesterday if I wanted to have a conversation about longer term commitments with them. And it was so flattering and it was such a boost. And I love working with them. But I was able to say, actually, you know, not right now. It's not really what I've set out to do at this stage, which is to set out to have this variety and experience different organisational cultures and work with different teams and have some control over my over my time. Um, so sort of 15 years ago, I was asked to work on a payday lending client. Um, and that was a really pinnacle moment for me. Uh, I was working in a PR agency world where you didn't really get to be hugely picky on what you worked and what you didn't. But I said no. And lots of tiny things led up to that moment. But it was definitely that moment where I started to, to, to define the sort of work that I wanted to do and was willing to do and my, what my red lines are. So now I feel like I have the freedom over what I do next, perhaps not quite the same control um, as it doesn't come with a safety net or certainties of a full time employment. But it's really much more fulfilling. Yeah, great. Thanks, Sarah. I, I have this real sense that you have uh, grown in stature and I'm interested when we have our, our general discussion to kind of explore whether that is to do with being a parent as well as having the rich experience that you've, that you've had in work. And um, 
huge congratulations on establishing your own consultancy and and I hope that goes really well for for the future too. So on to my final guest today. She is Izzy Gill. She is our podcast millennial. She recently departed from her 20s. And after a degree in geography, she's built up a career working in social research. Uh, She builds policy and strategy, and she's got really broad sector experience, uh, including financial services, tech, healthcare, local government. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to the conversation, Izzy. Thanks, Susie. I'm still clinging on to my final year of the 20s. (laughs) Oh, sorry about that. My maths is really bad. (laughs) So you're not actually sure that you'll get this pivotal point in the next decade yet, but you're very nearly there anyway. I'd like to ask you about something that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, which we haven't touched on too much now, um, which is really about sort of massive changes that we've had in society over the last sort of decade or so. And I wonder how much... All the sort of changes, whether they're economic changes or um, environmental changes or what's happening uh, across the globe, have really affected the way that you think about your working life and what you want to do with it. They certainly have. Um, I mean, I think the sort of negative pessimistic state of society weighs quite heavily on my um, outlook and approach to work from the environment, poverty, rising inequality, sort of corporate profiteering. I find it really difficult not to be engaged with the social issues of our time. Um, And that's definitely driven a desire in me to want a career that's really related to those issues that drives social impact um, and improves people's lives. I don't feel interested in putting more money into shareholder pockets at all. And that's certainly why I've chosen sort of a public service career um, in the public interest. So those are sort of some of the key things that I am thinking about. But um, I'm also conscious of sort of other societal trends that feel quite pertinent to me at the stage that I am in my career. Things like having children later in life, marrying later not buying a house or being able to afford a home. And I guess that also leads to this sort of extended period of time in your 20s or early 30s, if you choose to, where you can be quite free from responsibility and feel quite independent. So I guess work takes on a slightly different meaning because you can think quite selfishly about it because you don't have sort of dependence for quite a long period of time. Is that, is that quite freeing or is that quite limiting? I guess it might be a mixture. I think it is a mixture. I mean, I think I'm sort of an archetypal millennial in the sense that I put a premium on work-life balance, valuing other experiences outside of work, sort of travel, time with friends and family. Um, And in many ways, it makes me feel like my working life should come sort of secondary to lots of other things in my life. I don't necessarily want it to define me or who I am although that's something I definitely struggle with so sort of flexibility becomes really important um though I'm also conscious that there's sort of a privilege in in saying that as well but I think it is limiting in many ways too (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And and, and actually, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the conversation that we had with Stephen and talking about uh, the fact that he's a toddler in his romper suit. But I'm very aware that's one very big difference that if you look in his bank account, it's a lot healthier than yours. So um, there's a different kind of freedom at, at that stage in your life uh, that you have, I guess, as well. Um, t- tell me what you've learned about what you want from a career uh, over your 20s. I think I was just sort of reflecting on what Sarah was saying as well about sort of the word and the notion of a career. It makes it sound quite separate from the rest of my life because by the phrase career or word career, it feels like an occupation that's sort of undertaken for a significant period of your life where you're only doing that and you're constantly making progress that feels quite linear and it also feels really pressurised to me, which fills me with fear slightly. Um, I think I felt quite overwhelmed by that over the last decade, sort of trying to answer questions like, am I making enough progress? How much am I earning? Where are my peers in their career? Um, And I guess things like LinkedIn really exaggerate that. I've definitely spent too much time looking at other people on LinkedIn and comparing myself. So I'm trying to sort of rethink it more as just work life and work being a part of my life, one aspect of it. And I find that that gives me a bit more permission to sort of meander, take turns, take different routes, try things out and trying to remove the pressure of making progress, um, I guess, like in the traditional sense of earning money or gaining responsibility or a new title. Yeah. And I'm very aware, kind of looking back at my 20s, that it was that time when you were having a load of different experiences. And as we talked about with Sarah, it's really hard to actually join the dots in those experiences. So there's something there about just living with them. And and, and as you say, this idea, and I hate the word career in lots, lots of ways, because it's life, isn't it? And it's what, you know, what does a rich and fulfilling life look like rather than a career? Um, I'm going to go back to that word career, though, and ask you what career advice would you give to somebody uh, who's 21 and starting out right now? Gosh, it's a it's a tough one. <laughs> Something, um, lots of things that I still struggle with, particularly at this moment. And, and as you said, it's sort of about ex- different experiences, and it's a quite an uncomfortable place in many ways. So, I keep trying to tell myself, and would tell twenty one year old Izzy as well, to sort of not overthink it, follow your nose and interests, um, enjoy the experience, move about, meet meet people, take side steps. It's about learning and exploring. Um, And probably the key thing, don't compare yourself because people move at their own pace. And that's advice that I'm still very much trying to tell myself as well. It's so hard, isn't it? Yeah. And social media does not help in that respect at all, as you say. Um, you've listened to, uh, to to the other guests. And I wonder, even previous to, to uh, listening to Sarah and Stephen, whether you had any visions or kind of images in your head about what midlife or later life career might mean to you? I think the midlife career, I definitely sort of imagine that you're more settled both personally and professionally, feeling more confident, experienced. So maybe it's all a bit less overwhelming, or at least I hope that's the case. But um, I also recognise that you probably have many more competing priorities at that time and ones that trump your career, like caring for your children. Um, So I guess that 
aligns with Sarah's experience somewhat. Um, but I think it is a vision that is probably that it's quite stressful, uh, balancing work with family life. Um, but I hope that perhaps at that point, you're not looking to switch and move around so much that you're a bit more stable and financially secure. So that sounds appealing. And probably later career, I think that definitely feels that it's about drawing on your expertise and advising others, much like Stephen. Um, I think I have a vision that perhaps it's more of a hobby at that stage. At least I hope it is that maybe you're splitting your time between a number of things, things that you're passionate about, interested in, maybe some voluntary work as well. And hopefully not just counting down the days until retirement. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, one of the things that I remember when I was doing my my master's and we looked at very conventional theories of, of life stages. And um, I think they it was very much, you know, you're exploring things and then you're establishing and then you're maintaining your career. And then they use the word decline. And, and I think uh, listening to Stephen and I'm pretty much the same age as Stephen and all of my friends who are the same age, um, I think we would be very offended if we use the word decline and um and and actually both Stephen and and Sarah are really in a stage where they're creating new ways of working as well so there's something quite entrepreneurial about that too thanks very much Izzy that's that's fascinating I wonder whether I could open it up now to to everybody again. And what does everybody else think about how whether we need to rethink this traditional idea and stereotype of a life stage? And I wonder why. Stephen, I wonder whether you had any perspectives on that. Stereotype of life stage. It ten, ten, depends what the stereotype is. Um, back to the point about retirement. I'm never going to retire. I've decided um, whether it's hobby or otherwise, um, I will continue to engage myself in some sort of work activities, whether it's voluntary or um, coaching. One of the reasons I retrained as a coach was because I knew I could do it for a very long time, well, hopefully. So life stages, I, I, we do have to build things. We do have to build financial security. We do have to build, well, it life takes us through those stages of when we can um, build families so I think yes there are there are some key building blocks but I do think given that careers themselves have changed there are many more opportunities now in things like startups as as you said it doesn't matter if you move around there's more there's not this idea of a of, of one job for life um, I think you can do a lot more exploring um, both in your early career and and later so I'm not sure where that leaves life stages, but certainly not into the traditional box. Absolutely. And this idea that the average graduate will have five different careers in their lifetime now. Um, which is very, very different, isn't it? And uh, I remember working in a, in, in a bank uh, uh, only about 10 years ago and somebody showed me an induction pack and on the front of the induction pack, it said the name of the organisation and then it said, a job for life. Uh, and that, you know, you cannot imagine an organisation having having that sort of strap line anymore, um, nor would you particularly want to. Um, Sarah, I'm wondering, uh, I was going to ask you about the tips. I, I, I wonder how you could offer some tips to listeners about what it feels like to be juggling so many different parts of your life at the same time. Do you know what, Susie, what was so interesting is when Izzy was just giving her tips um, for her 21-year-old self or for other 21-year-olds, and I was thinking, 
Oh my goodness, this they align so closely. And certainly when it comes to run your own race, this kind of idea that actually make decisions that work for you um, at the time it works for you. Because actually, I think it, it, certainly when it's come to career, but also all of those big decisions you make about your family outside, totally outside of your working life, about childcare and all of those things that are really important. It's really easy to kind of get pulled along by what others are doing and by peer pressure, etc. But um, I think so. What are my tips now? If you've already got kids, you're already you're already doing it. You've got the juggle. Whether those balls are on the floor, it, it, it doesn't really matter. But what I might say to kind of new parents or those thinking of having children or even those that are returning to, to work, the kind of concept of having it all, I think it's totally possible, but just don't expect it all on the same day. You know, you can't be home for bedtime five times a week plus manage that really, really big job. So just think about your expectations of what you're going to achieve, when you're going to achieve them and, 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 fit and really enjoy that time being a parent is is a wonderful time to enjoy it i think be realistic about your expectations so that you get the balance right that's that's right for you um and it might not be the one that you're expecting um but childcare is absolutely an essential part of working life you need it so make it work for you and your family and it's a real scandal that balancing the cost of childcare with your salary is a worry for all of us but it's a decision that you make the decision that you make now will will ultimately impact on your family life and your career as well. So I've, I try to look at childcare as an investment, Susie, in my career, um, because without that childcare, I couldn't have returned to work. Yeah, thanks very much. And um, Stephen, I, I asked you earlier whether you could give some tips to, to the listeners around uh, what, it, uh, what it takes to build this career that you've built in the last five years. Um, I haven't quite discovered the secrets of that yet, Susie. But um, first of all, <laughs> um, if I were to do it all over again, I would have started slightly earlier. I would have started in my early or mid 50s because it takes time to build this and I'm still not sure what I'm building. Here I am five years in. I have an eclectic portfolio. I'm not sure where it's leading. Um, I think the other thing is to be really open to all sorts of new opportunities and expect they'll go in strange directions. At least that's the way that I've been leading my plural portfolio life because I have the opportunity of, of, of taking risks and, and um, making odd choices. Um, and I think the other tip I would have is to rehearse or prepare, so not to have a cliff edge between any sort of traditional corporate-type working life and portfolio plural. Um, I started my retraining when I was still in full-time work. I was already on a couple of boards. So this whole idea, I think, of rehearsing, and we go back to that word again, exploring, which I think is really, really, really important in, in working identity and work life. Um, do that, but don't have a cliff edge, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love that balance uh, that you talk about between a little bit of forward planning and actually being able to shift your your identity through experience as well and through experimentation. And I wonder for all of us, as we're talking, that that is one of the key things that is hugely important. It also strikes me that perhaps one of the secrets here is to and I really don't like using the word journey, but let's enjoy the journey and let's actually be uh, aware of enjoying that day to day and the stage that we're in rather than wanting to gallop to the next stage of our life. Uh, and 
so nice to hear people talking much more broadly and using, I kind of dispelling that word career and actually saying, you know, what does it mean to build a fulfilling working life? And I think that the work of Andrew Scott and Linda Grattan in uh, their book, A Hundred Year Life, is so useful here. And they talk about the tangible and the intangible assets that we build throughout our lives. And we might have a healthy bank account. We might have a house. But our intangible assets, which are our psychological health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, our physical health, the quality of our relationships, that's all the richness that we can sort of interweave with everything that happens uh, on a day-to-day basis in our in our careers too. So um, thank you to all of you for, for being fantastically insightful. And the book Stories from the Careers Couch is actually going to be published uh, at the end of the year. So please look out for that too. But thank you to Sarah, Stephen and Izzy for a rich conversation. 